0: Let's pray together almighty God we cry out to you as your people this morning asking that you would speak to us in power by your holy spirit and that you would beat back the powers of darkness through your word being declared God strengthen our faith and call us to faith we ask this in Jesus' name and for his glory amen you can be seated <clears throat> It is true at this time of year that we are living in a dark time. Obviously, it's true physically the days are getting shorter. I noticed that this last week recognizing it was basically completely dark by 415 or 430 but it's also true of course in the midst of the pandemic as we continually live with the unrest and disruption in our lives. Last week we began our Advent study of the prologue of John's Gospel and we saw that the light shines in the darkness. It continues to shine to break into our lives and into our world and our great hope is that one day this presently shining light in the midst of the darkness will return and flood the world with light ridding the world of sin and evil and death forever. But until that day comes we actually have a role to play in the light shining on in and through our lives. As the people of God. And that role is modeled for us. In the person of John the Baptist. To whom we are introduced in John chapter 1. Verses 6 through 8. Where I would like to draw your attention this morning. There was a man sent from God. Whose name was John. That's verse 6. Last week our focus was on. The creator. The word. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the the word was God. This week. Our focus is on the creature there was a man sent from God whose name was John in the midst of all of this darkness as much as we need comfort and reassurance and we do and thanks be to God that he is merciful and gracious to give us that comfort and reassurance in all kinds of ways God is faithful Our passage today reminds us of the fact that like like John the Baptist, we are sent from God as witnesses. In other words, our lives are not simply about survival or comfort or just getting through the week or even just about reassurance. But instead, if you are in Christ this morning, if you are part of the body of Christ, your life is actually about shining for another so that more and more people in our dark world Can see the light and come to life. John the Baptist was sent by God to prepare the way for the Lord, and we have been sent by God to prepare the way for the Lord's second coming, for his return, that many would greet that return with joy and exuberance and welcome because they have come to know him. In this passage, we see three simple things first, that John was sent, second, that he was sent as a witness, and third, He was sent as a witness that all might believe and so we're going to take those three things in turn and look at John's life and consider our own in the process in this dark time so first John the Baptist was sent he was sent there was a man sent from God whose name was John what are we to make of John's being sent what does it tell us about him and about his life and I want us to make four brief observations first it means that he has a mission and a purpose that are not of his own making that go beyond him and his frame of reference in his self in his in his life and it's not a self-determined life at all. John is here to do and to accomplish that for which he was sent the business and purpose of another. Second being sent means that John will take up that mission and purpose in the authority power and and name of the sender. Zechariah or John's father Zechariah in Luke chapter one was told By the angel before John was even conceived that he would be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. John would be sent from God but he would be given a power. The power of the spirit to do the work that God had sent him to do. The work would be impossible in his own strength. But it would be possible with the spirit. Third being sent means that one's sole purpose and aim is to accomplish the work for which One has been sent. In chapter 3 verse 27. John the Baptist says. Look a person cannot receive even one thing. Unless it is given him from heaven. That is I don't try to make something of my life. That it is not meant to be. I just receive what God has given to me. What he's asked me to do. And that's what I'm content with. His disciples were discontent in that moment. Because many who followed John were going to Jesus. But John is content. To do what God had given him to do. Jesus was sent of course like John by the father and this is what Jesus describes his purpose in John four thirty-four, a passage we looked at many weeks ago he says my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work that's what my food is it's to do the work of the one who sent me in the synoptics we we hear the same idea in Jesus in Gethsemane saying look not my will but yours be done That's the aim of one who is sent. It is to accomplish the work of the sender, the purpose of the sender. And the fourth insight about being sent is that it means that John will make every effort to achieve that for which he was sent. It means a focus and an attentiveness and a willingness to take up whatever the cost may be to do the work. We find John in the wilderness wearing camel's hair and a leather and and a leather belt eating locusts and wild honey. Among other things, this at least communicates to us that John had rejected and was not beholden to the fashions and comforts of his day. He was not tied down by his love of the world. Paul writes this to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2. Share in suffering as a good, good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Stay focused. Don't get entangled. Accept the cost. John confronts the religious leaders of his day. He doesn't try to build a network and climb the ladder. He confronts them with the truth about their own sin. He confronts the king, the political ruler of the day, King Herod, about his illegitimate marriage to his brother's wife. And of course, this leads to John being put in prison and ultimately to his beheading. Make every effort to complete the work. If you are in Christ this morning, then you have been sent by God into this world. After his resurrection, Jesus says to his disciples, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. That is to say, you are not in Boston. You are not at Park Street Church. You are not in your particular company or organization or school. You are not in your particular family or with this particular group of friends by accident. You are there because you have been sent there by God if you are in Christ. In fact, we can rightly say that you and I, all of us in this moment in time, have been sent into the darkness of this pandemic and what this year has been. Into circumstances that we don't really want, that we would rather not have. But we've been sent here from God. I wonder, do you know that? Do you see that? Do you grasp that higher purpose and mission? Do you understand that you're in whatever place you're in under and by his authority and that it's your aim to please him in these circumstances? And will you make every effort to do so, counting the cost in the midst of it? This is a tall order in many ways. It was for John the Baptist. But I want you to glimpse, at least at this point, about being sent that what an incredible gift. It is to have something in our lives beyond ourselves. Beyond our own making. Beyond our own scaffolding and, and put, put, putting up and hoisting up different purposes and plans. We've been brought into something large and vast and beautiful and big. And we've been sent by God. That is a beautiful and good thing for us to remember in a challenging and trying time. So John was sent. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. But Let's ask then, why was he sent or what was he sent as? And this is our second point. He was sent as a witness, verse 7. He was sent as a witness to bear witness about the light. God will always have his own divine witness to himself. But human witness matters to God. It has always been the case. We saw this in our Old Testament reading today in Isaiah 43. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen... Again I declared and saved and proclaimed when there was not not a strange God among you. And you are my witnesses declares the Lord. I am God. You the people of God who have been rescued and delivered out of bondage and difficult circumstances and trials. You are my witnesses about my salvation and my power and my authority and my love and my forgiveness. You have been sent to be my witnesses. This is the message from all the way back with the covenant people of God. And in many ways John carries this forward and then we carry it forward after him. We are to be a witness. To point to the light to the logos. The one who was life and whose life was the light of men. John teaches us that to be a faithful witness. Requires humility. Require, or requires a proper self-understanding. That Jesus is the light and we are not. In verse eight we're told in the prologue he was not the light but came to bear witness about the light. In verse 20 of chapter one John says I am not the Messiah when people were asking him who he was and he reminds his disciples of having said this in chapter three verse 28. Witnesses are always pointing away from themselves to someone or something else. It's not about them. When Paul and Barnabas go into Lystra and they heal a crippled man, the people there start to worship them as if they were part of the gods. They worship them as Zeus and Hermes. And Paul's response in Acts 14 is wonderful. Men, why are you doing these things? We are also men of like nature with you. And we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. We're just like you we have a simple similar nature as you. There's nothing about the witness that's particularly special or important. The witness is always pointing beyond himself or herself to someone else and something else. So to be a good witness we need to understand that we are not at the center. We are not the hero of the story. It's not about us. David Foster Wallace is one of the great novelists of our age. Not a Christian, he died in 2008 at the age of 46 after a long battle with depression. In his well-known commencement speech at Kenyon College in 2005, he he spoke about our self-centeredness, which is in many ways one of the great and most obvious impacts of sin upon the human heart. He talked about, quote, "...my belief that I am the absolute center of the universe, the realist, most vivid and important person in existence." We rarely think about this sort of natural basic self-centeredness he says because it's so socially repulsive but it's pretty much the same for all of us it is our default setting hardwired into our boards at birth end quote and it's true that is the effect of sin upon our lives it's to put us at the center what is it that breaks this self-centeredness it is of course seeing Jesus and John sees Jesus beautifully and clearly he clearly has insight into Jesus by the Holy Spirit in verse 15 of the prologue we come back to John where we read this was he John says this was he of whom I said he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. John sees the magnific- magnificence and glory and wonder of Jesus and it is being captivated with Christ that will quell our self-centeredness more than anything else in our lives. It's not our efforts at trying not to be selfish. It's actually being consumed with a vision of Jesus and his glory and his wonder and his majesty. That, above everything else, is what turns our hearts away from ourselves and sets our focus in the right place. So to be a good witness, John teaches us, we, we need to understand who we are and who Jesus is. And the comparison between the two... But John also gives us something about what the witness entails, what we point to about Jesus in a beautiful way. And and he, he shows us first that we see Jesus as one who is a sin bearer. We bear witness to the one who deals with the great problem of humankind. So when John sees Jesus in John chapter one, he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Here is someone who can deal with our greatest problem and our greatest need, which is sin itself. Behold the Lamb of God. You know, our witness about a sin bearer, one who can deal with and overcome sin, may seem like nonsense in a world that is largely under the mirage that human beings are basically good and good-natured. We're fine, people say. Who needs a sin bearer when we can do so much good on our own? But obviously, that's just the folly of sin speaking. It does humanity no service to pretend that we are inherently good. We do, of course, have elements of greatness within us. We are made in the image of God, but we also know the depth of our own weakness, frailty, and corruptness. The French historian, French-American historian Jacques Barzun, who died in 2012 at the age of 104, said this about 18th century Romanticism. He said that it conceived of its mission in light of a great contradiction concerning man. I mean the contrast between man's greatness and man's wretchedness man's power and man's misery this contradiction we all know and experience and the most astute observers of human nature understand this whatever their religious persuasion Paul of course understood it and cried out wretched man that I am who will deliver me from this body of death Our witness is a witness to a sin bearer who can deal with the great problem. A problem that is largely denied in our culture today. But a problem that continues to wreak havoc upon our lives and upon our world. And John's witness teaches us to say, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Point to the one who can deal with the problem that we all face. Even if the world doesn't believe the problem exists, continue to point to him. Because people know deep in their bones that they can't get out. So John points us to a sin bearer. He also points us to the one who can give life in his witness. As he points to Jesus. Back in chapter, later in chapter 1. He on whom you see the spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. That is this Jesus can deliver you from the bondage of sin. That is causing so much difficulty and pain in your life and in the world. But he can also give you life. He removes but he gives. And you're looking for life everywhere Through all kinds of means. But this is the one who can give it. This is the one who baptizes John says with the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives and brings life. And this is what our witness must say to the world. Here do you want life? Look to Jesus. Do you need deliverance from the things that are weighing you down? Look to Jesus. Don't look at us. We're just like you. We're no different. We are no better. And we are deeply humbled by the reality of our own solidarity in sin with the world. But thanks be to God that there is another to whom we point. The light, who was the, the life who was the light of men. And we point to him as the sin bearer and to him as the life giver. And we say with John, he must increase but I must decrease. Let me get out of the way. Let Jesus be exalted above everything else. Let Jesus be in the center. Let Jesus be over everything and everyone. Because when he is, things will be put in their proper order and place. Things will flourish. We long for him to return for that very reason. It is this to which we witness, and we witness in word and in deed to this Jesus. Langdon Gilkey was in an internment camp, a Japanese internment camp in China in World War II. He later became a theologian, spent much of his career at the University of Chicago. And his his book, Shentung Compound, is about his experience as a young man in his 20s in this internment camp. And he gives us a testimony here of one who bore witness to the place that he was sent. Not a place that he wanted to go or wanted to be. He had gone to China to be a missionary. But he had been rounded up with many other Westerners by the Japanese and put in an internment camp. His name was Eric Little. We know him best from the movie Chariots of Fire. But this is how Gilkey writes about Little and his witness. The man, they had had a problem in the camp with teenagers So bored, disengaged, getting into trouble. And and then he says, the man who more than anyone brought about the solution of the teenage problem in the camp was Eric Little. It is rare indeed when a person has the good fortune to meet a saint, but he came as close to it as anyone I have ever known. Often in an evening of the last year, I headed for some pleasant rendezvous with my girlfriend, would pass the game room and peer in to see what the missionaries had cooking for the teenagers. As often as not, Eric Little would be bent over a chessboard or a model boat or directing some sort of square dance, absorbed, warm, and interested, pouring all of himself into this effort to capture the minds and imaginations of those penned up youths. If anyone could have done it he could Gilkey continues a track man he had won the 440 in the Olympics for England in the 20s and then had come to China as a missionary in camp he was in his middle 40s lithe and springy of step and above all overflowing with good humor and love of life he was aided by others to be sure but it was Eric's enthusiasm and charm that carried the day with the whole effort shortly before the camp ended he was stricken suddenly with a brain tumor and died the same day the entire camp, especially its youth, was stunned for days. So great was the vacuum that Eric's death had left. You've been sent, in Eric Little's case, even to an internment camp in China during World War II. You have a mission and a purpose, and it is to point to Jesus through your life and through your deeds and through your words as he had done. I can't help but compare the circumstances to John the Baptist himself whose own life ended up in a prison like Eric Littles and in death. In a sense, it doesn't matter because we've been brought into this higher purpose to bear witness to this king. Dionysius, the bishop of Alexandria in the third century, says this about Christians in similar circumstances to our own today. During the great epidemic, most of our brother Christians showed unhurried love and loyalty never sparing themselves heedless of danger they took charge of the sick attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ many in nursing and caring for others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead and then he comments the pagans behaved in the opposite way we've been sent into this moment into this situation of darkness as witnesses To bear witness like Eric Little and like these Christians in the third century through our lives and our words to one who can give life and take away sin. This is the calling upon our lives. To bear witness to him. This brings us to our third and final point about John the Baptist which we read in verse 7. Yes he was sent. Yes he was sent as a witness to bear witness about the light. But then verse 7 tells us the point of his witness. That all might believe through him that all might believe through him that's the point that all might believe the witness that we've been sent to to give to Jesus is a witness that is meant to bring others to belief and to faith which is to bring them to life John the evangelist has the same purpose as John the Baptist because he declares it at the end of the book when he says these things were written so that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah the son of God and that by believing you might have life in his name The witness of the believer in the midst of a world of darkness is to point to the light the sin bearer and the life giver in order that others might come to believe in him to entrust themselves to him. This is the first time that word comes up in John's gospel and it is the goal of all Christian witness that others would come to see the light and believe in him and by believing have life in his name that is what we are here for. That is what we are bearing witness for. That others would come to believe. To believe is to entrust ourselves. To the one who has done everything. Remember how Jesus finishes his ministry at the cross. And he says in John 19.30. It is finished. The work is done. Believing is simply living into that gift of the work that God has done on our behalf. It is receiving it. And letting our lives be transformed now and centered on it. That is what it means to believe. And John the Baptist witness is so that everyone, that all, all. Do we catch that word of all? The poor, the wealthy, the politicians, the immigrants, the graduate students, those who didn't complete high school, the young, the old, the sick, the proud and the insecure, all might believe. There is no one disqualified. There is no one beyond the reach of this Jesus. And our witness is that all might come to believe in him. What did that mean about John's witness in particular? It meant that his ministry had an edge to it. His witness included a call for decision. You might remember when the crowds are coming out to him by the Jordan River. What is his ministry? What is he proclaiming? He's proclaiming a baptism of repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. And when the religious leaders come out. He says you brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit he says in keeping with repentance. John's witness like ours is to be a witness. That calls people to make a decision. About the way that they will live their life. Will they yield and hand over control of their lives. To this one called Jesus. Who's claiming to be Lord and King. Whose light is life. And whose life is light. Or will they hold on to life in their own understanding. Their own mission and purpose. Their own sense of what should be done. Of what their life is about. Living life their own way. John's ministry is a call to repentance. It's a call to turning around. It's a call to letting go and holding on to another. Repentance of course is always paired with faith. We turn from idols. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 1. To serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven. So i'm not sure exactly how you find yourself today in this moment where things are getting darker outside and where the pandemic and the numbers continue to rise and where many of us and many many of us even in our own community still suffer significantly from the disruptions of this pandemic but i want to encourage you through john the baptist to remember that you are sent into this particular moment Maybe it's not what you want. Maybe it's really difficult and. And hard. Like Eric Little in the internment camp. But even there in that place. God has sent you. In his authority in his name by his power. He's given you his spirit. That you might bear witness to the light. And by bearing witness to the light in this dark time in our world, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have an opportunity to see people come to faith, to believe in Jesus through the way that we live, the way that we love, the way that we speak, the way that we do justice and mercy in our city and beyond. There was a man sent from God. His name was John. I want you to put your own name in that. There was a woman sent from God. Whose name was add your name you've been sent to bear witness to the light may God make it so let's pray Lord we praise you and we thank you that you care about human witness God we know how much we falter as witnesses how quickly we forget about your purposes and calling and how often we can be simply consumed by our own needs. Oh Lord, we know you care deeply about these needs. We pray in the midst of them that you might help us to take up our identity as witnesses sent by you. We know our city needs this right now. We know our neighbors need this right now. May you pour out your spirit upon us and make it so, O oh Lord. May Jesus be exalted through our lives that many might come to life. We pray this in his name and for his glory. Amen.